Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. Everybody and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host Justin McElroy, and I'm Sydney McElroy. What you look chagrined? Were you about to show me something? On I your was phone? about to show you something. What do you got? Bernadette Peters is coming to the Paramount Arts Center in Ashland, yes! Kentucky. I know you love Bernadette Peters, so gotta I'm showing you. Gotta show get you backstage, see Bernadette, hang out, get a hang going. Yeah, I don't know. See where it goes. What would you ask Bernadette Peters? Oh about? my gosh, what was it like filming the jerk? That's exactly what I would ask. I would want to know about the jerk. Did you like playing the witch? (laughs) What's up with heartbeats? That was a wild flick. You and Andy Kaufman as robots? I mean, come on. Yeah, Bernadette and I could talk for a long time. But that's not what this episode is about. I'm suspecting you would not bless me with an episode that's just about Bernadette Peters. No, I wouldn't do that. Your reaction would make me too jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, uh, we had a recommendation for an episode from Britt. Thank you, Britt. About something I I was not familiar with. This was a history that I didn't know. Um, There are lots of things that aren't medicine. That's 100% (laughs) got to agree. Just to name a few. Taxes. The sun. uh, uh, Pound cake. Yes. Those are examples. Maybe the sun. I mean, you could actually make an argument for this. Well, I was going to. I would. Yeah. Medicine is a broad term. Got to get the D. Yeah. That's the only prescription I mean, if you got to get your day. <laughs> there, okay, there's something there. There's something to that. No, uh, what I was going to say is there are a lot of things that aren't medicine that we used as medicine. Um, and we've we've given examples of that, like, every day, like, um, alcohol-based products and, and all kinds of, like, herbs and flavorings and spices. Like, there are lots of things, right, yeah, that yeah, yeah. we we've, were like, that got, tastes strong. I bet it's medicine. We've got a whole podcast about it if you're if you're interested. Uh, this one, Solvents. Yeah. Uh, but one that I didn't know is that there was a very brief period in American history where we thought ketchup was medicine. Mm. But I don't, I didn't know that, but I feel like it makes sense for us. Yeah, that, I mean, if you that put, we thought ketchup was medicine, like that feels right. Like, yeah, of course, of course, we here in America thought ketchup was medicine briefly. I can think a few times where I've ingested some delicious fries mm-hmm. dipped in ketchup and I haven't felt a little bit better afterwards. <laughs> you know, ketchup is great. Ketchup's great. I love ketchup. I don't like too much ketchup. You can go, it can go a little while. Now, I didn't used to be that way, I used to be no condiments guy. And I don't know how. No condiments guy. I used to be no condiments guy. And now I'm few condiments guy. You uh, would say that on dates and they'd be like, no, what did you say? I condiments. said I'm no condiments, condiments. Guy. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was a very Justin joke, Sydney. Um, but, uh, I've been with you too long. I'm in, I know. I'm into ketchup now. Yeah, well. Just like Randy Moss is into juice, I'm into ketchup. <laughs> ketchup did not start off as a tomato-based product. Did you know that? To, ketchup is a tomato-based product now. <laughs> did you know that? I did know that. Yeah. Uh, ketchup is the only form um, that in which my father will eat a tomato. I figured he said once that he doesn't like when food looks too much like it started off. He likes it when it looks really processed. He doesn't. Yeah, he can't. He doesn't even like like a fruit pie. If you have chunks of fruit in there, he's not going to mess with it. He really doesn't eat no much interest. fruit at all. No like interest. he will not mess with fruit. Uh, so okay, ketchup didn't start off as a tomato based condiment. It dates back way back to ancient China, like 300 BCE, uh, where it started as a paste that was made from things like. Uh, fermented fish entrails. Yum. Um, meat byproducts. <laughs> Gotta use every bit of it. What can we do with Soybean. This? Let's make this into a paste. Yeah. So like, and and this, so, and this paste, you can imagine it would be like a salty, fishy, fermenty kind of flavor or not necessarily fishy, but like, you know, salty, fermenty is kind of the, the vibe. <laughs> um, and this would have been used on in various dishes, like as a flavoring agent, but it also was chosen because like, this is something that you could carry with you and would be preserved pretty easily. If you think about yeah. what it's made of, like something fermented like that, you just let it keep fermenting, I guess, right? Yeah. It just ferments forever. You just eat it forever. Probably not forever. <laughs> At some point, it, it might gross you out. At some point, yeah. Um, so the advantage of that, like I said, is it can be carried over long distances, like, for instance, sea journeys, you know, across the sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so a lot it was, of stuff came about that way. <laughs> Ales, yeah, exactly. Like that's why IPAs uh, are IPAs, yes. India Pale Ales. They yeah. put the hops in there to preserve them, and, and it made them. Guy used to drink it. Made them bitter. Yeah, and now I like them. <laughs> the end. No, that's not what this is about. <laughs> it, so they were carried along various trade routes. They went to different places in the world, and as ketchup, well, as it was initially known as either ketchup or or ketchup, um, then that would have been in, like, various southern Chinese dialects. But some, you can see where this word is coming from. <laughs> um, it became known as either catsup or ketchup, which is, you know, the one I prefer. Does anybody still say catsup? I've never heard anybody say it, but it is funny. Yeah, I've never heard anyone say it in real life. I've seen it written. Yeah, 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 on bottles and stuff, but it, I— is it pronounced that way? I thought that was just an alternative spelling for the same word. No, it's catsup. catsup. I don't know. Okay. I assume. I don't know. Sure. I mean, it must be, right? Why would you, if it was pronounced ketchup, why wouldn't you spell it ketchup? Why would you now, spell honey, it catsup? we've been helping Charlie learn to read. You know that that is a tenuous rule at best, that the English language looks like <laughs> what the word, like how rarely is that true, that the word looks like what it's trying to spell? I hate explaining that. She'll sound something out, and I'll be like, now I know that's what it looks like, but that's not how it sounds. It sounds like this. And she says, why? And the answer is always, uh, English is stupid. Yeah, sometimes I don't know. Just throw English a sucks. In there. Yeah. I don't know why we did it that way. I'm sorry. I live in fear of the day when she has to learn how to spell convenience, and I just have to stare at her like, I don't know, honey. I don't know. But I made it this far, and I don't know. <laughs> you cannot learn this one. Um. I, I'm still embarrassed about the fact that I am a physician, and every time I have to write the word hemorrhoid. Oh, that's a tough one. Uh-huh. I have to stop and think. How many M's? Hold on. I've had Are there more R's? More than Hold my on. fair share of times, I think, and I've always <laughs> had to look it up. Okay, so uh, it was either known as catsup or ketchup as it moved around different places. Um, sometimes it would be called, like, 
just a spiced sauce. If you saw a recipe for a spiced sauce, it was probably a variety of ketchup that you were talking about, or sometimes a high East India sauce. High East India sauce. Yes. That's a good name. I like that. Um, the first recipe for ketchup appeared in a cookbook in 1758 by Eliza Smith called The Complete Housewife. Um, and this was a this was a uh, kind of savory chutney. It had anchovies, cloves, ginger, and pepper. And um, basically, it would have been put with like meat or fish, something like that, right? Mm. And this is all ketchup. Like as you may have noticed, tomato has not entered the picture. Not in the picture yet, right? Um, there is a, another recipe that I appreciated from 1736, which uh, was again. This is a recipe for ketchup. Um, you boil two quarts of strong stale beer and a half pound of anchovies. This is also and from, then ferment it. <laughs> this is from a time period though, and there's a lot of condiments like this where the idea was to cover up the flavor of meat that had gone rogue because we didn't mm. have modern refrigeration techniques. So it makes sense that a, a sauce in this time period would have been pungent over everything else because they're trying to give you a big bold flavor <laughs> to ignore the gross the rotten meat, the that gross you're rotten meat you're enjoying. Um. It, it, it's interesting, though, because you'd think you'd want them to enjoy the big, bold flavor. Of the meat? Of the rotten meat? No, the big, bold flavor of the um, ancho- half pound of anchovies that you boiled in they stale beer. Ha- they didn't have anything good yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think they had good They didn't things. have anything good this yet. This just may not have been one of them. Um, they, and there were all kinds of recipes English, for ketchup. I've had English food in the past 10 years. You know what I mean? Th- imagine uh, it 200 years ago. Oh, our, our English listeners are going to be really mad at you. Yeah, they get it. You're going to get you're going to get an email hey, listen, from David. Folks, David's going to tell you, listen. I've eaten at the Rose and Crown Pub at Disney World <laughs> twice. I think I have a pretty good oh, handle no. on British food, okay? Please, if, if you send angry emails. Why mushy peas? Will you address them to Justin? Why mushy peas? I'm the one who op- I'm the one who checks the email, so just like put in the subject like this is I am angry at Justin. This for, is for Justin. For his correct his correct taste. Please know it's not me. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, there were all kinds of in this in the 18th century. There were all kinds of recipes for ketchup. There were some made with oysters. There were some made with mussels. Um, mushroom ketchup was very popular. That was Jane Austen's favorite type of ketchup. Was a mushroom based ketchup concoction. There was walnut ketchup and lemon ketchup and celery and uh, fruits. Sometimes were used plums or peaches. Um, you would like boil them into some sort of, I mean, you can imagine like a consistency kind of thing. A fermentation may have been a part of the recipe a lot of the time, adding a ton of salt to it, something that would be preserved easily, right? Something that you could carry around and maybe not in your pocket per se. Is that ketchup in your That's pocket? weird. Do you think, do you ever think when you're reading stuff like this where of the moment when someone with a book and a pen was like, hey, Jane, what's your favorite ketchup? And she's like, why are you asking? It's like, well, I'm doing history. And for history, we want to know what your favorite (laughs) kind of ketchup is. History wants to know about it. So just in case in a couple hundred years, if somebody's making a podcast and or, you know, almost 300 years, somebody's making a podcast and it's like, what's her favorite kind of ketchup? I just history needs to know. Right. And and if the only thing that is mentioned about you on this podcast is what your favorite ketchup recipe was, are you cool with that? Is that what you would like to be known for, Jane Austen? Yeah. You're going to be so famous that we could just say your name and your favorite kind of ketchup. And that's interesting. That's kind of cool, though. Yeah, I mean, it's, I would like to be famous enough that if you just offhandedly mentioned, and you know what Sydney McRoy's favorite ketchup was, somebody would be like, "Oh, what was it?" 
Like I know who that is, and I am interested in what her favorite ketchup may be. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's true. But also, like, why did history have to grab that one? You know what I mean? Like, we <laughs> there's lots of stuff we could have pulled. Just weird if, that that made the cut of if, history. If history remembers me for a food fetish, it will just be soup. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, what if it did? I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> there was an entire week where Sydney ate soup twice a day, every day. You've been bragging day. about double soup day all week. I've had a double soup day. Yeah. That's a, a song. I made up a song about having a double soup it's day. It's different. The song's different every night, but it's always about the joys of having a double soup day. I love having soup. Yeah. I'm not having soup for breakfast. You had a double pho day. I did. Yeah. I had pho for lunch and dinner last Not leftovers. Yesterday. No. Two discreet pho. Uh-huh. Pho. Bowls fuzz. of pho. Two fuzz. Anyway, there was a recipe that called for 100 oysters, three pints of white wine, and then you take a lemon peel and you know how you could poke mason cloves in there like you do? Mm-hmm. Anyway, why were people not using tomatoes, you may wonder? Yeah. Why, why haven't, at this point, like nobody's even stumbled on throwing a tomato into ketchup yet. Oh, they may not be big there yet. They may maybe, not be big there. Maybe tomatoes weren't They big may not be yet. big in the world. What? There there were recipes for ketchup everywhere. You think that in the entire world tomatoes weren't big? No, that's fair. Somewhere tomatoes were big. Somewhere I'm someone sure. liked a tomato. Someone liked tomatoes. But I'm they just were saying sometimes stuff like that comes into the Western culture later than you think it does, right? Well, and part of it, I will say specifically in Western culture, there was a fear around tomatoes. This is why tomatoes weren't being used. People thought they were poisonous. Do you know why the theory goes that people thought tomatoes were poisonous? Why? Because a lot of people ate off of pewter plates. Tomatoes are very acidic. And if you put very acidic food on pewter plates— you can leach some of the lead out of the plate, out of the pewter. Oh. And then you're eating lead. Bad. And then you get lead poisoning. So the tomatoes weren't poisonous, but the combo could have been making people ill. So perhaps that was why for quite a while, especially Europeans avoided tomatoes because they thought that they were poisonous. Um, So that's why it takes a while before tomatoes are thrown into ketchup is because people thought they will make you sick. Mm Mm-hmm. The first uh, published tomato ketchup recipe was from James Meese, who was a scientist from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote about um, that he had found a, a catsup recipe mm-hmm. that he particularly enjoyed. Um, and he recommended as a new ingredient for your catsup. Let me guess. Tomatoes. Love apples. Oh. Ew. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> What's that? Those are those are tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> is that a slang term you just came up with for them? No, that is what that is what they were called sometimes. Not just by James Meese, but by other people of the time period. That's great. Would refer to tomatoes as love apples. That's sublime. Why? Wonderful. That's just wonderful. What a wonderful wrinkle to put in my brain. There Thank was, you. As people started eating tomatoes, I guess, off of dishes other than pewter, which, I mean, it's hard to imagine having dishes that weren't pewter, right? Yeah, right. Sheesh. What are you eating off of? And what are you eating? Plastic. What are you eating? You uh, there's not yet. a name for it yet. I'm thinking about lust grapes. <laughs> no, but uh, what people— What about thin skin orange? Nope. <laughs> Love apples. You think? Oh, oh, hold on, hold on. You think a tomato is like a thin-skinned orange? No, that's the hilarious 
thing. It's also not like an apple at all, Sydney. In what way? I mean, is it they're like both an red. So is a fire truck, but you don't call a tomato a very soft, small fire truck. No, but like I think that a tomato and an apple have at least a thing in common. What do a tomato Fruit. and an orange have in common? Fruit. Okay, but like no, I mean like visually. What are you talking? You you think you have a point right now? And everyone who's ever listened to this show right now is screaming like, Sydney, you don't have a point. I, no, Justin's I just right. don't know why you that your first thought would be that a tomato is a thin-skinned orange. I'm just saying that they didn't have a name for it. So. <laughs> the t- the, an orange is orange. It's named that. Okay, so Sydney, let's focus on the love part if you're so smart. Why because is it called a love apple? people thought tomatoes were aphrodisiacs. Okay, I guess you There it is. Die. Yeah, you got me. <laughs> But why did they think it was medicine? I don't know. Well, you're about to find out, but I'm going to take you to the billing department first. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes smoothies they got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious and the meals you just eat and eat there's no prepping cooking or cleanup get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week you're going to get exactly what you want no surprises here uh and the meals i can say are delicious so what do you got to lose head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones 50 and use code Sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code Sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash Sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier then you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the— Easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, 
you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Oh, Russ. Hey, hey. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad I found you in line. These clouds are really freaking me out. I hate having to stand in line. And boy, what a line. These giraffes do not smell good. No, they do not. And they have such short necks. But I'm hearing we need to get on this we ark. we got to get on the ark. It yeah. is about to rain. God is about to destroy humanity. Hey, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Are you Noah? Yeah, I know we look like humans, but we're actually, <laughs> yes, we're <totally>. podcasters. <laughs> we are podcasters, so it's different. Have you heard of Ono, Ross, and Carrie? We investigate spirituality, claims of the paranormal, stuff like that. And you have a boat and say the world's going to end, so seem like something for us to check out. We would love to be on the boat. We came two by two. What do you think? Ono, Ross, and Carrie, available on MaximumFun.org. Oh my gosh, hi, I'm Dave Holmes, host of the pop culture trivia podcast, Troubled Waters. On Troubled Waters, we play games like motivational speeches. It goes a little like this. Riley, give us an improvised motivational speech on why people should listen and subscribe to Troubled Waters. I look around this ad and I see a lot of potential to listen to comedians such as Jackie Johnson and Josh Gondelman, and they need you to get out there and listen to them attempt to figure out sound rebus clues or determine if something is a Game of Thrones character or a city in Wales. I have chills. I'm going to give you 15 points. All that and so much more on Troubled Waters. Find it on MaximumFun.org or wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. I don't like tomatoes by themselves. I meant to mention that earlier. I don't like raw tomatoes. I know this about you. But I like them in sauce. So I, I shouldn't have given your dad a hard time because like I don't like I don't I don't eat raw tomatoes. I don't yeah. like cooked tomatoes either, but I especially don't like raw tomatoes. I don't um I like them with stuff. I don't like to just eat a slice of tomato on its own, but mm-hmm. like if you put salt and pepper on it and then you put it with something else, like I'll eat like just some chopped up tomato and avocado. Or like if you put it with an egg, I'll eat it. Or on a piece of bread. So you like them. But no, I, mean, I don't want to just eat like just a slice of tomato on its own. I mean, I, I mean I'm not I'll eat anything. I'm not picky, but okay. anyway, this this is not interesting. Um <laughs> it would be around the 1830s that tomato-based ketchup. So ketchup was not thought of as medicine until the tomato became part of the picture. Okay. That's when you started to see applications in the medical world. First, uh, the first person that I think that we can trace all this back to was someone named John Cook Bennett, which I believe he was an actual doctor. I'm not 100% sure if he was an actual doctor. I've read a lot about John Cook Bennett because at first I wasn't sure. I found like two different stories. Mm-hmm. There's this John Cook Bennett, Dr. Dr. John Cook Bennett, as they keep calling him, mm-hmm. who is responsible for ketchup being thought of as medicine for a short moment in history. And then there's this John Cook Bennett who I read about all this wild stuff that he did, some like sex scandals and some attempted murders and things (laughs) that have to do (laughs) with the Mormon church. And I didn't know if it was the same John Cook Bennett, but I finally found— Tell me you got an answer on this. Yes, it is the same dude— um, that I, I was able to finally connect these two stories. And it's weird because, and I think there's some books written that if I had found the entire book and read through the entire book, I would have been able to find this. But like searching articles online, there's like two very distinct John Cook Bennett's and it's hard to cross reference. Um, but it's the same guy. So uh, he 
initially Bennett tried to like launch colleges and medical schools. He like handed out fake medical degrees and stuff like that. So like one of our one of the, our classic Sawbones characters, yeah. right? Flame like flam man. Yeah, exactly. The kind of stuff that people do. Um, he was like president of a medical department um, at a university for a while. And he did a lecture at the time on the health benefits of tomatoes. Now, he was not coming up with this idea on his own. There were other doctors. And I mean, in this at this point in history, you know, we were theorizing about a lot of different things with the health benefits. could be. And you know what? We still do that, right? Every year there's a new food that's a superfood that mm-hmm. you should always eat. Why not the tomato in the 1830s, right? Yeah. So there were already doctors who were saying, like, I think tomatoes might be good for you. And so, of course, tomato-based ketchup would be a vehicle for those healthy tomatoes. And specifically for things like um, diarrhea or indigestion or even jaundice, Mm -hmm. people or doctors were recommending, like, eat some tomatoes or have some ketchup. You know, it's it's yummy tomato juice. (laughs) He went around talking about tomatoes and you know, trying to sell people on ketchup as medicine. That was like his next snake oil kind of thing, right? Like, yeah, just buy my ketchup and then whatever. Um, And he found a guy. (laughs) Not the most effective pitch, but sure. Buy my ketchup, then whatever. (laughs) Uh, He found a guy named Archibald Miles who was selling something called American hygiene pills. Nice. Yeah. That's loaded, by the yeah, way. American hygiene that pills. That be anything. That is terrifying. Yeah. Hey, listen, kids. If anyone ever tries to sell you American, American hygiene, hygiene pills, pills yeah. run and tell an adult, okay? Immediately run and tell an adult. And I am saying this no matter how old you are listening to this podcast. Yeah. Um, so he told Miles, like, hey, listen, I think uh, one of the things in your pills is ex- is a tomato extract. I think you should start selling these as like tomato pills because tomatoes are so hot right now. Everybody's into tomatoes. Everybody knows that tomatoes are so good for you because I'm telling everybody tomatoes are good for you. This is a great thing, right? Yeah. Like, listen, I go around telling everybody tomatoes are good for you and, and then like, you sell I tomato, have pills. tomato pills. Good news. And uh, so why don't you sell tomato pills? Um, so he started selling them as Dr. Miles compound extract of tomato. He was really successful. He sold lots of tomato pills. Um, he would uh, he'd go buy tomatoes from people so that he could make his pills, um, and he would sell out all of his pills. Um, Please don't say pills anymore. I can't handle you saying the word pills anymore. Why pills? Pills? pills I just started to echo in my head. It started. Are you hearing pills instead of bills? No. What the song? Bills. 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 Pills. Bills. bills. <laughs> the problem is that. Bennett was telling lots of people to sell tomato pills. Oh, really? Yes. This wasn't an exclusive offer? No. So there were lots of people uh, that were selling tomato pills in the 1830s. um, And, like, Bennett would support different ones. There were, like, tomato pill wars where, like, there was a guy named Holcomb who was selling tomato pills. And Bennett was like, yeah, he's the real guy who sells (laughs) Tomato pills, don't listen to that other <laughs> guy, which was the guy that he, like, told sh- he should sell tomato pills. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was another guy named Guy. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Guy Phelps uh, up in Connecticut who was like, I've got my own tomato pills. And I'm sorry, I don't know what else to call them other than pills. Tomato 
tablets. Pills. I know it's bothering you, the tomato No, it was just the, the concurrent, I don't the concurrent know. uses of pills. It, it wasn't bothering me. Okay. I was just pointing out that, <laughs> that you'd said pills a lot. Um, so he was selling different ones. Like it, they were made slightly differently uh, from like the leaves and the stalks of the plant as opposed to where the nutrients are. The tomato itself. Yeah. No, what? That's where all the nutrients are. I don't think that's true at all. No. Probably right. I'm not a horticulturist, but. <laughs> I, I I was just making it up. I'm sorry. So everybody was arguing over who got like the first tomato extract patent or mm-hmm. probably didn't have a patent. They were just like, I sold them first. I had the tomato pills first. And this uh, John Cook Bennett guy was going around sort of like egging on the tomato wars. Nice. Um, but the thing is, like, this was an incredibly short-lived medical fad. And we've covered things like this before. Something that it catches the imagination of the public. Everybody goes wild for them. Everybody's got to go get this new, you know, it's a new snake oil. It's the new cure-all. It's the thing that will make you feel amazing. Everybody buys these tomato-based medicines. They probably did nothing. We have to assume. And then people are like, I don't really think uh, I don't really think I want to get these anymore. You didn't put any um, laudanum in them at all. I don't I don't need these. And uh, and then the uh, and then the guys who sold them went on to other things. Like Miles went on to do um, some like real estate, and Phelps went into insurance. And here's the the wild thing. Just on a side note, so John Cook Bennett. So it, it's wild because, like, as I was looking up the John Cook Bennett mm-hmm. that was, like, it, at one point I, I saw him called, like, the Lucifer of the Mormon Church okay. in an article. So, like, obviously there's some other unsavory stuff in this guy's history. But, like, all these histories pick up, like, after the 1830s. <laughs> okay. So it's like this little catch-up chapter of his life gets lost. Yeah, we always forget about his thing of catch-up. <laughs> because um, then he went on to, like, he basically had a lot of adulterous relationships and, like, unauthorized polygamy. Because this was at the time where, like, you know, that was very much part of the Church of Latter-day Saints. Right. And so he, but he was sort of like doing it in a way that, because he was like buddies with Joseph Smith, was like, no, that's not, no, 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 no. And he like pulled the wool over everybody's eyes for a while and finally got excommunicated. <laughs> oh, no. From the church yeah. for doing stuff that, I mean, for for having all these affairs. And like he lied like for a while. They didn't know he was married and he was sleeping around with all these different women and they didn't even know that he had a wife and he did have a wife and... And then there was this whole where he said that that he, they tried to, like, murder him later. Like, he, he accused people of um, putting out a hit on him. And he said that the people who showed up to murder him were all dressed in drag. And that was a big scandal. And did that really happen? Um, it's wild. <laughs> uh, if you're interested, there's lots of articles about this part of John Cook Bennett's life. Yeah, um, I, I imagine that probably gets a lot more ink than his brief dalliance as a ketchup uh, salesman. Well, it, but I didn't know. I mean, it's really wild because, like, I, I obviously had never heard any of these stories. Um, and you can read, there's whole biographies about him if, like, if that's the kind of thing you're interested in, if you just want to know. 
I found this really cool. You know what put it together for me? What? Cincinnati. Oh, okay. Cincinnati put it together for me. I found a uh, um, uh, Cincinnati Curiosities um, by Greg Hand, who wrote, like, finally pulled together that this was the same Bennett who was responsible um, for, uh, he was called The Saintly Scoundrel, The Life and Times of Dr. John Cook Bennett. is a book you can read if you want to know the whole thing. Um, but anyway, so pulled it all together. And so after his time selling tomato pills and getting people to fight over who made the first tomato pill and sort of like stoking the flames of the tomato pill war, he went on to um, get excommunicated from the Church of Latter-day Saints. What a wild journey. Yeah. Um, now, the, by, at this point, it's like the 1850s. The last of the people who were selling tomato products as medicine, whether it be like pushing ketchup as a medical entity, uh, telling people to eat tomatoes for their medicinal benefits, or just like tablets or pills or something mm-hmm. made of tomato product. Everybody had sort of like given that up. That whole fad had worn off. Nobody was really using it as medicine anymore. Um, and this is like perfect timing. It's still being used as condiment. It's still obviously at this point extremely popular in all of the ways we we know that we use ketchup. Um, but the final flavor, like, that ketchup would still not have been the ketchup we know today. That was a lot more similar to, like, some sort of very tomato-y kind of sauce, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, toma- ketchup is not tomato sauce. They're two right. very distinct things. They're sure. both tomato-based, but they're very distinct. Um, adding vinegar was a big change. Change in, the game. Yeah, and that that's where we get, like, the ketchups that we know today. And in 1876... There was a relatively new company called Heinz. Oh, my. Okay. <laughs> and uh, they mixed tomatoes, vinegar, brown sugar, salt, and I guess spices that we're not supposed to know. Are they secret? I don't I know. Realize. I don't know if the Heinz recipe is secret or not. I don't know. There's spices in there. I assume the bottle, if I were to pick it up right now, which I do not have a bottle of Heinz next to me, but I assume it would say, like, natural and artificial flavors. <laughs> um. Because everything says that. <laughs> yeah. But I if, don't know. If you want, uh, there is a food that built America on uh, Heinz, so you can learn about is uh, there? More about that, of course. It might be their podcast, though. I can't tell if there's an episode of the show about it. But um, Well, I'm sure there's a very interesting story about, like, finding this exact recipe. Because a lot of people were making different ketchup products and catsup products, and there was still a lot of homemade recipes that people were using and making for all these various spice sauces. That's Before of, Heinz sort of dominated. That's one of my favorite scenes that's in almost every episode of Food to Build America is like someone will bring someone a tray of like 30 different kinds of something, like gum or whatever, and they're like chew each piece and they're like, oh, God. And then finally they pick up that one thing and they take a bite. And they, they, they probably like, I didn't want to even offer you this one. It's not ready yet. Then he takes a bite. He's like, this is the Butterfinger. <laughs> <laughs> we found it. Make a million so, of these by the end of the week. As, so just as like tomatoes as medicine are falling off as a fat. And I should say part of what contributed to that is that there were lots of copycat pills. So these people who were actually trying to push like this is a pill made with tomato extract. There were also people who were like selling you laxatives <laughs> and saying like this is a tomato pill. Yeah. I promise. And yeah. you're like, will this help my diarrhea? And they're like, oh, <laughs> sure. Yeah, definitely. And then you take it and you're like, no, it's worse. It's actually worse. What did you eat? It can't have been our pills. It's because it was, it was a laxative. Um, but then uh, Heinz came out, and do you know why it was 57? Heinz 57. No. It is not because it was the 57th formula. 
That's Formula 409. Yeah, that's what I would have assumed. The formula. It was not. It was not that. It was because five and seven were Heinz and his wife's favorite numbers. That's uh, that's very um, eccentric. There's that. <laughs> There's a very, that bit it's of a very eccentric choice they made. <laughs> There's that bit of of history. But anyway, so um, that's the that's the history of ketchup as medicine. Thank you, uh, Cincinnati, for coming in clutch and put, putting it all together for me. Yeah, love you were, Cincinnati. You were ha- you were losing it trying to figure out if this is the same guy because it didn't feel like anybody could be this interesting. Well, no, are. and I really like I wanted to to explain that little tangent about John Cook Bennett, but not if it was two. What if it was two, two different, different guys? People? What if there was the one who sold fake tomato pills, and then there was the one who did all this wild stuff and got excommunicated? And I didn't know if it was the same guy, but it was. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Hey, if you like this show, we would hope that you would do the right, responsible thing. And find one friend this week. Just one person where you're like, hey, I know you like interesting stuff. I think you love this show. It's great. Here's how you listen to it. And then you put a, it in their hands, whatever that means. <laughs> put it in their hands. Put it in their hands. Um, and uh, we would really appreciate that. We have a book. It's called The Sawbones Book. You can find it wherever you get books. Thanks to the taxpayers for use of their song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. And thanks to you. For listening. We hope you have enjoyed yourself and uh, that's going to do it for us. So until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. Fun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.